1: Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenbeck Beck Program. I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about uh, I want to talk to you about relationships uh, and marriage and how it how we're repeating this now as a as a country. Uh, but then Jeffy came in and he said, "Did you hear what Barack Obama said in Laos?" He called Americans lazy, and I listened to it, and all of that fly... Everything I wanted to say to you flew right out the window. And then I realized, oh my gosh, that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you. So, let's talk about marriage here for a second. Being a husband or a wife, being in a relationship... And we begin there, right now.
2: I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Because we are one. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Because we are one. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn
1: Yesterday, I was on the set, and um, I was um, I was filming a new uh, series that we're doing called Vault, which starts in two weeks. And um, it has all of our uh, it's a it's a show based on all of these unbelievable pieces of American history. And um, my daughter Mary and um, uh, and Jeremy. Uh, work in the vault, and they are responsible for the library. And Jeremy was gone yesterday, so Mary was on the set with me, and she's, <laughs> she is such a guard and protector of all of these artifacts. And um, she had a uh, seizure in the middle of filming. And I got up this morning, and I was feeling um, guilty because she had a seizure, and we stopped, and we, um, uh, you know took care of her, and and sometimes she just needs to sit down for a while, about 20 minutes or 30 minutes, and just kind of recover from it. And um, after she stabilized, um, one of the guys took her back to my office where she just rested for a while, and it bothered me all the way through this filming. I was like, I, I wish I was sitting next to Mary right now and just being with Mary, but I had to continue on with the filming. And I was thinking about that this morning and I was thinking about um, all the things as a dad that, you know, I've made um, choices along the way and there's just no way to win as a parent. You know, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you've either done too much or not enough. And it's just, there's a no-win situation. And I don't know if you're like this at all, But I'm like this in my marriage, and I'm like this, and this is a problem, and I'm like this with my kids. There are things that I want to say, but I am so bad at saying the wrong thing. Uh, First of all, Rafe and Uno, my dog, we're the only men in the house, and men and women have completely different language. And I learned early on in my first marriage, no matter what I say, I lose. If I just say, I've been saying that, bad idea, very bad idea. Why haven't you told me? I have. Well, I didn't hear it. Well, uh, hello. And then when I do say something, my wife, Tanya, she still looks at me and she looks at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, I'm just telling the girls that. Don't say that to a girl. I'm like, Okay, so there's nothing I can say. Because if I say something, it's wrong. If I don't say something, it's wrong. It's awful. And there are things that I want to say, but I don't know how to say it because I'm afraid it will make it worse. Does anybody else feel this way? You feel... I miss the opportunity to say this and now it's going to be a bigger deal and I don't want it to be a bigger deal. And I just I have to say something. I wish somebody else would say something. Maybe something's going to change. And all of a sudden you find yourself in this place to where it's horrible. And now you really don't know what to say and it's going to be over. If we were more honest with each other, all of our relationships would change. If we were just able to speak and not just hear, but listen. And I, I'm sometimes a really, most times I'm a really bad listener. And Stu will verify this because he rolls his eyes every time I cut him off. Because I always think I know what he's going to say. And I know he always is like, no, that's not what I was going to say. But that is my pattern. Because I hear and I don't always listen. And I've known that, Stu, for a long time, and I've never said that to you. And it probably has been very frustrating to you because you think, I don't know it. And I do. This morning I was listening to a song by Damien Rice... And I wish we could play it on the air, but one of the wonderful things about technology is you're heard on a billion different platforms. And because you're listening on a billion different platforms, you can't afford the rights to absolutely anything like we used to be able to play a song and say, hey, here's what it is. Um, Christine Aguilera um, um, did a song. Is it called Say Something? Damien Rice. Amy yeah. I mean Rice, Christina Aguilera a great, big world. a great Big World okay so it's this it's this great song um, and I want to read the lyrics to you and I want you to think about your relationship if your relationship has ever been with anybody in a bad place and you don't know what to say say something I'm giving up on you I'll be the one if you want me to. Anywhere I would have followed you, say something, I'm giving up on you. And I'm feeling so small. It was all over my head. I know nothing at all. And I will still stumble and fall because I'm still learning to love. I'm just starting to crawl. Say something. I'm giving up on you. What's remarkable about this song is it's a duet. And it shows that both sides in this relationship are feeling exactly the same way. Say something. They both know. But A, they don't know what to say for the other side. And B, they're not hearing what the other person is saying, which is exactly the same thing. I don't want this to be over. But I'm about to give up. So how does this relate? Remember, this is a duet. We've said for a very long time now, I don't condemn anybody for making a different decision on politics. I don't condemn you. I understand. I get it. I get it. I look at things differently than you do. But I respect you. And I get it. Now, I don't understand those people who have had 17 choices in front of them and they were on the first bandwagon with this guy. I don't get that. But that's, that's 20% of 30%. That's a small number in America. And a small number of this audience. The vast majority of this audience most likely is saying right now, I don't want Clinton And I really don't want Trump, but he's the best thing going. Out of the two, it's going to be binary, so it's going to be one of these two. And I get that. I really do. I understand it. I can't make that choice. Me, Pat, Stu, Jeffy, you are going to make that choice, aren't you? I think you're making that choice. I don't know. Don't know? I know. I don't know. He's not? He doesn't know? I, I wouldn't. Do you think I would condemn you if you did? If you came the next day and said, oh, I'm not telling you. Me. Yeah, no. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And I would have been. And I think there's a lot of people in this audience that feel horrible about that choice, but they don't know what else to do. And so human nature is condemn anyone who is disagreeing with you because it will make you feel better about your choice. Two can play that game. But I'm not going to play that game because there are no good choices. What I'm choosing to do, I'm not happy about. What you're choosing to do, most likely you're not happy about. Now, there are those people who absolutely believe every word that Donald Trump says, and it's great for them. There are those people that are voting for Hillary Clinton, believe everything she said. But there's a vast majority of people, I believe, in the Hillary Clinton camp that don't believe a word she says, think she's bad. But they're saying we can't have Donald Trump, just like we're saying can't have Hillary Clinton. And what we're doing is we're dividing ourselves, really, not in half, we're dividing ourselves in third. Those people who actually are the alt-right. Those people who were there from the beginning who believe a strong man and have authoritarian tendencies. Now, not all the people that were, were joining him at the very beginning believe that, but that's where that base of anger, rage, um, and uh, shut down anybody else who thinks differently comes from. That's an authoritarian strange That's a very small minority, but it exists. There's one third, not evenly distributed. The next third is those people who say, I don't really like that guy, but I like him better than her. And then there's the the other third that is like, I I don't like either of them. And I, 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 I can't go there. If we divide ourselves in third, because what we're going through right now, birth pangs. Right now is a time in 60 days we give birth to something. And we're in the room right now, and this is the time where your wife is like, Get your hands
0: off me. I'm never going to let you touch me again.
1: And screaming at you and saying all kinds of things that she does. You know, she doesn't mean those things. She's going to be fine the moment the pain stops, the moment she gives birth. That's all going to be over. These are birth pangs. We need to be the ones in the room that just looks and smiles and says, "Uh uh-huh, I know, I know, I know. Breathe, honey, breathe. The husband will cause massive problems in their relationship if he didn't understand that and said, well, you, bitch, are you? How dare you? You were the one. Can you imagine how stupid that would be to get into that argument while she's having labor, labor pangs, when she's giving birth, and you're taking everything she says as not emotional outbursts that are unreasonable because the pain she is in, that would cause permanent division. We need to understand we're giving birth to something new, to an entirely new life. And whether that life turns out to be good or Damien, we don't know. But as parents that gave that life its start, we better be one. We better be together. Or the baby will control us. And it will be able to control us because it will play us one against another. There's patterns in life. So as I'm listening to this song today, quite honestly, I first think of me, but then I want to start with you. I don't know what you want me to say because I feel like I say it to you every day. It's okay. I support you. I support you. I'm not your enemy. I am an enemy of totalitarianism. I am an enemy of progressivism. I am an enemy of anybody who wants to control and stifle anyone else. But I do not believe that is the vast majority of people on either side. I support you. I don't know what you want me to say. But I'm willing to say it. I just don't know how you are going to hear it. But on the other side, say something. Because I'm about to give up on you. I get bashed and anybody who is in our camp, all the people who are listening right now, who are in my camp, I think they're about, they're saying the same thing to you. Say something. I thought we were together. I thought we were one. I thought we understood each other. I love you. I don't want to go away. I don't want you to go away. But I'm about to give up on you. Say something. And all you have to say is, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I I don't agree with what you're going to do, but I get it. And we're still together. I can't. I have to break the patterns in my own life where I don't say the hard things to the people that I love because I'm afraid to make it worse. I don't think we can make this any worse. This is the biggest divorce of the American family I've ever seen in my lifetime. I don't think I can make it worse. Say something, because I'm about to give up on you.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
1: The last time you purchased your mattress, you were also paying for things you didn't know. You're paying for the showroom, you're paying for the guy's salary who helped you, the commissions, and the reseller's profit. Casper Mattress has changed all of that. They sell directly to you. That's why the most comfortable mattress you have ever slept on is going to save you a ton of money cost you much less than the mattress you bought years ago casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with the support that you need also time magazine because of this named it one of the best inventions of 2015 and your casper mattress ships free and is delivered in a small really honestly how did they do that kind of box Tanya and I have a Casper mattress, and we love it. Try one in your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. If you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund every single penny. Go to Casper.com, use the promo code BECK, and get $50 off the purchase of your brand new Casper mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com, promo code BECK. Casper.com, promo code BECK.
2: The Glenn
1: Beck Program. 888 I think, why about it? It, it, it. I know. Right. I think Is that's that what, what they want? want? I don't know. We, yeah. did, we were just talking about, and it's funny because we took two different paths and came to kind of the same place in some ways. I am looking for, and only good relationships last uh, through this. Most relationships, I don't think, <clears throat> are built on honesty. And so they can't ever go here. But our whole relationship with you has always been based on honesty. And so I asked, say something. What do you want me to say? And what can I say that I haven't already that makes you understand I'm okay with your choice. I'm okay with your choice. Stu and Pat said the same thing on their show yesterday in a completely different way. And it's fascinating
3: in this and of itself. This is with the Glenn news. Beck Program. Mercury.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: So I started the hour with a Christine uh, Aguilera song. Uh, Say something that I'm about to give up on you. And I think that's what um, people are feeling all across the board. With their friends, with our relationship, with everything. I don't, I don't know what you want to hear. I don't know what you want to hear from me. Um, I accept your right and your thinking and I even understand how you feel like Hillary is so bad because I agree with you. I mean, I don't know what you were doing in 1992, but I was fighting against the Clintons in 1992 actively on air. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've been at the Clinton uh, fight my whole – half my career – Um, so I know who she is and I understand you feel in that way. I feel that I have done my homework and it has taken me into different places. And I'm not sure there is a worse person in this fight. I think he's just as bad as she is in a completely different way. And, uh, and so people believe they have a binary choice. I get that. I get that. I really do. I have come to a place to where I'm looking at way beyond the election. What do we do after the election? What's going to happen after the election? Who are we after the election? How do we get a coalition to stop? If if Trump wins and Trump is not who I think he is, it's going to be sweetness. It's going to be total sweetness. I don't believe that I'm wrong. I could be. I'm wrong on many things. However, when I'm right, it's usually on the really bad things. Um, So um, I just, I don't want to roll the dice. I can't. You can? I wish, I wish I could be there. I really do. And I understand. And I don't think that I'm so damn smart. If I really believed 100% this is what's going to happen, I would be on the air every day saying, you're to wake the hell up. Are you out of your mind? Instead, I'm saying, look, I want you Which to is understand what we did with Obama. I, I, right. I want you to understand my thinking. I need you to understand my thinking because if you think this way, then you have a responsibility. But if you don't, if you listen to my argument, you're like Glenn. You're wrong. I completely understand, and I good. I hope you're right, and I understand the lesser of two evils. I do. Go for it. Go for it. I'm not trying
0: to change your thinking. I accept that. I I don't, and I was trying to think of this yesterday, I don't think since the primary ended, I've tried to encourage anyone, anyone who's no. not vote for Donald Trump. No, neither. Vote for I. him if you want to vote for him. Right? Right. And the same thing with Hillary. Right. And, and oddly, the, the most advice that I've had from people who are Donald Trump supporters is, well, fine, then go support Hillary then. Right. Which, okay, I mean, I don't know, but uh, thanks for the advice. Right. And so, so I'm saying to you,
1: say something because I'm about to give up on you. And not the people who already are. There's a lot of people who believe the way we do that have come out and said, you know, don't give up, don't give up. And I'm not. I'm not changing course and I'm not giving up. I'm giving up on my friends, though. I'm giving up on a lot of people I really respect that are, are, have turned into this, well, that you're just for Hillary. How long have you known me? It's just, it's, just, it's so, it's, please, I can respect you. You can't. After all of the time, I expect it from people who have never really listened and aren't really fans. I get it. Really? For the next 60 days, this is the way you want to treat our friendship when we're going to need each other in 60 days? Yeah. Don't do
0: that. Don't do that. Thinking only in the moment, right? Um, Not thinking about the future. And Pat and I yesterday kind of asked the same question, oddly, uh, on the show. As you as you mentioned, we because we we you know come have a background of music radio as well, and we kind of went down the road of hey everybody. Call in now. We're taking requests right now. Live requests. How do you want us to talk about Donald Trump? Do you want us to lie about him and say we really like him? That's no choice, number one. Choice number two, should we just ignore the entire election? Choice number three,
4: should we defend him inauthentically? What should we do, call in now, with your requests? And would you respect us if we did those things? Right, because that's...
0: I find it to be an interesting thought experiment from that, from a listener perspective. what This show that you listen to every day, what would you want us to do? If we came out and we did lie and say he was great, would you respect that show? Would you come back in 60 days? Why the hell would you?
1: Because I would think that they would argue that you loved the country more than self.
4: What the hell?
0: Self? I'm because, not doing no, this no, for myself. No. the only they, reason to do this. is
4: Why we're taking the stand we are. I know.
0: The easiest thing in the world People, right they, now, guys, is to say Donald uh, Trump is good on conservative talk radio. It's easiest, the easiest thing in the world. Thing in the
4: Any world. idiot can People.
0: do that show.
1: People think that it is—it's—it's it's very bizarre because you—you you lose either way. People say that are we still being funded by the cruise campaign? Right. Is we're losing—we're losing all kinds of money, about to go out of business because of this, or, or we're making we're all, all kinds of money. money
4: and doing it for money. Yeah. I mean, it's just—it's crazy. It is it's just crazy. And I—I—I I, I think this whole thing's about spiritual healing. Uh, we've been seriously wounded, and. The whole nation. The whole just, nation. The whole nation yeah, has been spiritually yeah, wounded. Spiritually wounded, severely wounded for a long time. And and now people are crying out, and they just want to be validated, and that's a part of the healing process. You have to share uh, what it is that's hurting you, and then you want somebody to say it's okay. I understand. You're right. You've it's been just, through a lot. This Which is I, what I. This I is, think we've done that, but the somewhat the validation has to be rooted in truth. We can't say to people who call and say, "Hey, you need to vote for Trump cuz he's the best choice." You're right, he's the best choice. And we cuz that's a lie. And that doesn't in our, opinion. in our opinion. And that doesn't work. That's not how healing occurs. The the healing has to be rooted in truth. Otherwise it's not it, it's it's not going to work. And what we're seeing now is just a bunch of people who want us to I guess acquiesce. That's not validation. That's well, that won't work else. in a that won't work in a relationship. Not
1: at all. It well, doesn't work in it, a relationship. It's not make anyone happy if we did that. If we came out and just, hey, you know what? Donald Trump is great. Right. We love him now.
0: Oh, that's not what you said yesterday. Right. They'd all be pissed off. Well, you know what's interesting? <laughs> what's interesting
1: is look at how it was used against Mark Levin. You want to talk about a guy who's in a lose lose situation? Mark Levin. Kind of a rock and a hard said place. Said this though. rock and a hard place. He didn't endorse him. He okay. said, I'm going to vote for him, and I take no responsibility for what he does. I just think that this is the best out of really bad choices. And he was talking about populism and everything else last night. And yet, if you see how it's spun, it's spun that he endorsed him. He's in the Trump camp now. No, no, he's not. So he's getting bashed now on both sides. I mean, there is... There's no that's a brave move. That's a very brave move. <laughs> he's telling the truth of where he's at. And yet we can't accept
0: that. Um mm-hmm. it, it's interesting because I did actually ask this question also on social media. We took a bunch of calls on it as well on Patents too, but on social media I asked the question like if we were taking requests, and to be clear, we're not, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not going to change my opinion. Wait a minute, highest bidder, right? Well, of course, if you pay us a lot you of money, auction of it, off. or our business is failing, I can't remember which one is right. happening today. Uh, but like, we're, you know, we're going to do the show that that we believe it to be right, and 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 say the things that we think are important. But if, in theory, you had an opportunity to make a request and we were going to play your song, what would you want to hear from us? The overwhelming majority of people said, keep doing what you're doing. You tell the truth. Even though I don't, I'm going to vote for Trump, I don't really like it. But you know what? Keep doing it because that's why we come to you guys. So that's the overwhelming majority. The, there are a few. The other like slices of this were, number one, just shut up and talk about movies and food and other cultural things that have nothing to do with this election, because I can't hear you guys anymore about that. Which okay, I, I respect. That's a legitimate request. Another one, uh, another slice of it was just talk about Hillary Clinton, because you guys are talking. Most most of the listeners who listen to the show recognize that we do talk a lot about Hillary Clinton and say all the terrible things that she's doing and has done. Um, so just focus on that. Just do that. Don't give us any of the Trump. We know where you stand on that. Just talk about Hillary Clinton because you guys do a great job when you talk about Hillary Clinton, but then you ruin my day when you talk about Trump. Okay? And that's a legitimate thing as well. Um, By the way, we're not talking about Trump here at all.
1: And this would be interpreted as talking about Trump. We're not. We're talking about healing. How yeah. do we come together right. even though we disagree with each other because we're going to need one another?
0: Exactly. I, and I think that's important. Um, so how do you get there? Uh, you know, I, I don't want to... It's not. There's no value to us to sit here and just annoy you every day with things that you don't want to hear. But there's no value to you to listen to a show that's pandering. There's no value to a listener to tune into a show that says things that make them feel good... ...about their day, because you can get that from music radio or you can get that you from get that anything. from every college or university. Right. I mean, I, that's all the that's things... That's a safe zone. All of the things that challenge you about talk radio are on display at this moment. And, and you can go anywhere else to get things that make you feel good and go about your day. You can go to Pinterest and read inspirational quotes all day to get that. That's you can not, go to Fox and get exactly what you want, or you can go to MSNBC and get exactly what you want. All right. Do you want to feel challenged on a day- daily basis, or do you want to just feel good? You want to be massaged by the host that sits there, and gets paid to make you feel good every day. That's not what we do here, and it's never been what this audience has wanted. So right now we're in an emotional period, and I think a lot of people get fired up about that, but if we do something different, what would, what would you think about us in 60 days? Well, here's the other thing, and i learned this
1: again from the song. And I think this goes to, Stu, to Pat's emotional healing, too. You know this because you're going through this in your family right now. We are all at the top of our stress. Stress level is it couldn't be any higher. I have a feeling it's going to become higher, but it's, it's the highest it's ever been for me in my life, and I think yours too. Your family, your country, your children, your school, your job, your bank account, everything is up in the air. You just don't know where anything really is or is going to be in the future. And trying to be the stabilizing factor in everybody's life, I mean, my kids, um, you know, they're they'll they'll be fighting. And I've never been this way to where they're going back and forth and I just want to say, Love each other. <laughs> and um you just get to the <laughs> top of your stress level yep. where you're just like don't you have a clue as to what is happening right now
4: do i have to kill you love each other exactly right (laughs)
1: exactly right and so we're all at the top of our stress and we're striking out because we want something to be stable and easy and nothing from here on out is going to be easy yeah and so we have to be there for one another and the other thing is is we have to let things go because. The world is dramatically changing and we have to be willing to forgive one another and understand that at such a time of stress you're going to do and say stupid things in this song. And I'm feeling so small. Who doesn't feel small right now? But Jeffy. And I'm feeling so small and I think this is important. It's in past tense. And I'm feeling so small. It was over my head. I know nothing at all. And I will stumble and I will fall because I'm just learning to love. I'm just starting to crawl. Meaning, guys, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. This is, I thought it was going to be easier than this. It it was way over my head a month ago.
3: You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program.
2: Mercury.
1: A guy who is truly responsible for much of what I know about progressives, or at least getting me on the right track, Jonah Goldberg is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. His book, Liberal Fascism, uh, is a uh, primer, something that everybody should have uh, in their library. If you want to have a, a basic understanding of fascism, uh, and the progressive movement—that is—that is fantastic. It's because of his book that I started studying for 15 years and just wrote the book "Liars About Progressives." He is going to be uh, joining us here in just a few seconds, and I don't want to talk about—I um, don't want to talk about Trump. What I want to talk about is healing. How do we come together? What does the conservative movement look like in 70 days from now? Back in a minute with Jonah Goldberg.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
1: I have, uh, as a guest, one of the guys who really opened my eyes and was there early on, on the path of me learning about progressivism, uh, and is, I think, one of the great intellectuals uh, on conservative thought in this time. And he's also a guy that every time I read about him or see him now, I remember the clip from A Princess Bride.
4: Right, There's a couple of
0: truisms that are very famous, one of which is never get involved in a land
4: war in Asia, and the other, only slightly less famous, is never get into a Twitter war with Jonah Goldberg. Jonah Goldberg joins us right now.
2: of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: Writer at the Evil National Review Online, author of really fantastic books, in fact, a book that every person should own in America, Liberal Fascism, uh, which tells you much about how the left and the right operate, Jonah Goldberg. Welcome to the program. How are you doing, Jonah?
4: Dr. Beck,
5: long time no see. Great to be back. (laughs)
1: Yeah, good to have you. Um, Jonah, I want to talk to you about um, uh, the party and where we head. I'm past the election. What happens in the election, I have no control over. Uh, and what happens either way, I think, is a disaster. But um, we're going to live past it. And right now, everybody is treating this as the end of days in 60 days and we are going to need each other uh, you know in 70 days <laughs> how do we what is what do things look like in 70 days or you know 200 days from now with the conservative what, movement
5: well look but uh, first of all i agree with you that there is this bizarre or i would say overdone apocalyptic thing going on right i mean uh, on the other just this week, there was—I guess it's in Russia. There's some river that's turned red, and it looks like a river of blood. And then they made that Lady Ghostbusters movie, and so it seems like all the seals are being torn, and it's the end times. And the people are saying, and they constantly say, because, you know, the country is over if Hillary Clinton is elected president. Now I, I take a backseat to nobody in terms of my record at at, at being a critic of the Clintons. Yes. the clinton cabal but i have a little more faith in the united states of america that we are never just one election away from doom well and, i will tell you and- this
1: jonah i i will tell you this um i that's the way I, I you know i remember saying to people just a few years ago uh they were like if he's reelected, we don't make there won't be an election yes there will be an election in 2016 He's not going to seize power. We're going to make it. We made it through this guy who was the worst president of my life. Um, we do survive. With that being said, what people are saying is we don't survive a Hillary
5: Supreme Court. Yeah, look, I mean, like the, Hillary court, the Supreme Court thing is important. It's serious. It concerns me. Um, at the same time... Uh, the damage has been done in the sense that uh, you know Scalia is gone, you know God rest his soul, and um, the other Supreme Court justices that the other vacancies that may come up, um, you know, so they replace an old Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a young Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, if, that won't change the balance much. Moreover, we've lost a lot of Supreme Court fights already, and. So look again. I, I, I get it. It's a serious thing. I think it's one of the best arguments that people have for voting against Hillary. At the same time, I do not trust Donald Trump for a moment not to use a Supreme Court appointment as a as a piece of leverage and a pawn um, with a Chuck Schumer to get some massive infrastructure you know thing through. Um, and regardless. This country has to be about more than what happens with a few small personnel changes in one branch of the federal government. And um, I've been saying for two years now almost that this ends in tears no matter what, and that this is an election that's a choice between two different kinds of crap sandwiches. They're just on different kinds of bread. (laughs) And the problems with both presidencies are huge, but they are not equivalent. They're different problems. So anyway, to answer your question about what happens after an election, assuming that Hillary wins, which I still think is the right assumption, I don't think it's a lock by any stretch of the imagination. God and His infinite sense of humor has decided that in an election where we have the two most unpopular candidates in in American political history, probably um, we've managed to have a system that's generated. Two candidates who's, who, whose only chance of winning is because the other candidate is equally disliked by the American people. Um, so, anyway, I'll, I can't speak to what happens on the left, on the right, um, or I think the first thing to keep in mind is that Hillary Clinton has zero mandate if she is elected, um, at least as things stand now. No one I know can tell you what it is Hillary's election. Is actually about what are the three things it's about? You know, it's all about not being Donald Trump, and she fulfills that mandate the day she is elected. Right. Um, can, can I ask that- you, can,
1: can, wait, wait, wait. Can I ask you a question?
5: My theory is
1: on Hillary Clinton if she is elected, I know even the weasel uh, Republicans will line up to stop her from pushing things through. She doesn't have the magic that uh, Barack Obama has. And I go a step further. The minute she has another travel gate, you know, the minute she has another because I, I contend that these scandals would have taken her out if Marco Rubio was the
5: opposing candidate. I the, think that's exactly right. I think that's press... exactly right. And I think that people forget um, that, first of all, you know, The New York Times is, is the journalistic organ that broke – the server story the new york times has been editorializing against the foundation i was on a panel last night with donna brazil the interim head of the democratic party and mark shields you know a standard issue beltway liberal and neither of them would come to the defense of hillary on those issues in 1992 when bill clinton was elected it was the new york times that led the charge on things like whitewater um because there's certain kinds of stories corruption stories that the press actually, that the liberal mainstream press actually just get their teeth into and hate being lied over. And I think Hillary comes in extremely damaged, potentially, you know, I don't think she gets impeached right off the bat or anything, but I think she comes in damaged goods. and With very little rope. Very, very little rope.
3: Very little. She has has
5: two choices. She can either pander to the left-wing base of the party, which will only embolden Republicans to unite against her, Or she can try something which I think would be very smart, although very unlikely, which is some form of, like, unity government, where she decides it is better to be sort of like a Nixon or like a Bill Clinton and triangulate by trying to join forces with Republicans on some things, leaving um, the left to scream and yell at her. I don't know if she has that in her. I think in her soul she still sees herself as a serious leftist. But that would be the smart thing to do. Either way, I think she's a one-term president if she makes it through a first term. Um, I mean, we all know that that cough is the bubonic plague or whatever. That's what I, keep, <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. There, it must be true. Uh, well, um, I will tell you,
1: it is, it is weird. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist on her health. But, I mean, first of all, she should not get the rope of saying uh, that it's a vast right-wing conspiracy when she used that against her uh, to protect herself with the FBI. Good heavens. Um, uh, and, they, I mean, she, I don't know what's up with the cough. I mean, they should at least just come out and say... Here's a doctor saying that it's just
5: allergies or whatever it is, but it's crazy. Yeah, no, look, I, I think the cough thing, I, I, I don't think the cough thing is real. It, you know, for everyone who, said, who keeps been telling me for a year that she's got an inoperable brain tumor or some sort of th- thing that came from the fall, I'm pretty sure that a chronic cough during hay fever season or whatever <laughs> is not one of the symptoms of that. <laughs> um, but I agree with you a thousand percent. You cannot... Stonewall the FBI by talking about how you're an old lady with health problems and you get confused and, you know, uh, here's my med alert bracelet and I fallen and I can't <laughs> get up and therefore I can't answer your questions. But oh, by the way, it's, it's sexist right wing paranoia to talk about my health. Right. It is just, it's ridiculous. In terms of the, what happens on the right, you know, I think there are, there are strong, there's a strong desire on both sides in some of the more heated moments. For a big round of show trials. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think there's some people who feel like it's that scene in The Godfather where, what is it, uh, it's uh, Clemenza is explaining to Michael Corleone, you got to have one of these wars five every ten years, just get out all the bad blood. And so I think there's a real desire for a lot of recriminations. I try to fight that in myself. Um, and I don't. Yeah, and I, I don't know about the pro-Trump people who hate my guts. Whether they're fighting that in themselves, but there is a. There are a lot of hard feelings. There are a lot of strained friendships. There's a lot of bad faith, and that is going to be hard to get over. I can get past the personal stuff. For me, it's the philosophical stuff. What kind of what kind of movement are we? What kind of party are we? We've seen in the Democratic Party that. Up until very close to the end, socialism was riding high in the saddle. Hillary Clinton had to pander to the Bernie Sanders crowd. The heart and soul of the Democratic Party is the millennial base, which all love this socialism nonsense. And the heart and soul of the Republican Party right now are a bunch of nationalists. Um, and, you know, maybe it's because my last name's Goldberg, but I tend to get a little nervous when nationalism and socialism are, oh are joining forces in politics. And that means lovers is... <laughs> of liberty and limited government with no natural home.
1: My name, my last name is Beck. And so there's a good chance that one of your relatives and one of my relatives didn't get along in the past. <laughs> and nationalist and socialist makes me really nervous as well.
3: This is the Glenn Beck Program. No, don't know. Mercury.
1: Jonah Goldberg uh, joins us now. Jonah, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the, the what the party even means anymore. For instance, is Donald Trump uh, just a guy who uh, just uh, came out at the right time uh, that could appeal to that nationalist uh, populist kind of uh, crowd, or and and if if he uh, if he loses. That goes away, or did he tap into something that is now going to grow? What if he starts his own television network? What effect does does the alt right have? This new right, uh, what effect is is, is this going to play?
5: Yeah, I mean, let's put, let's put the alt right aside for just two seconds, and 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 note in the realm of mainstream politics. I, first of all, I don't think that the <coughs> the average Trump supporter knows about, cares about, or has anything in common with the alt-right. I the alt-right right is a different creature that needs to be sort of, there needs to be a bright line drawn around it, and then it needs to be ignored and, and done away with, rather than let it infect conservatism more broadly. Um, that said, it's worth noting that in a lot, of, a lot of primaries, Donald Trump has had a whole bunch of mini-me's, Right, a whole bunch of imitators who've gone around being obnoxious, yelling stupid things, um, talking about um, you know protectionism and destroying the elite. You know they they tried to do it to Paul Ryan and uh, you know Coulter and a bunch of people parachuted in to help out. Whatever the guy with Nealon, whatever his name was, and and Ryan destroyed his opponent. McCain destroyed his opponent. Um, there seems to whatever Trumpism is, even its biggest. Um, proponents can't figure out a way to articulate it in such a way as to actually win primaries in the supposedly Trumpified party. So I, I think the worries about Trumpism are a little overblown, or at least I hope they're a little overblown. Um, I, I honestly believe that that Trump was—I hate the perfect storm analogies—but mm-hmm. Trump was um, a bizarre 5 carom shot accident. Um, You had this guy with a celebrity personality. He was built up, um, uh, uh, lamentably, by some of my colleagues at Fox News for a very long time and by other sources as this sort of tells-it-like-it-is guy. Um, He learned the art of faking it to a degree that even Chauncey Gardner and being there never had. (laughs) And um, I think one of the things I think that is so frustrating about this for people like me is... Um, I feel like I get where the pro-Trump people are coming from. What I feel like they don't get is that I can tell that Trump does not know anything and is making it up as he goes along. And I think that this is a cult of personality thing. I think this is a giant middle finger to the um, Republican establishment. Um, And I think one of the really hilarious ironies of this, if I had to make a prediction, and a lot of my predictions have been wrong, is that Trump is a bellwether for a phenomenon that is going to hurt the Democratic Party a lot more than the Republican Party long term because already people like Kanye and all these people they're recognizing oh my gosh I can translate my celebrity and my Twitter followers into a political campaign well most of the celebrities are on the left I mean right now if George Clooney announced that he was running as an independent against Hillary Clinton Hillary Clinton would lose, you know, I mean. Yeah, and, but there
1: are, the, there are people that could pull this off that are not. I mean, Tom Hanks, um, yeah. he, he could do it. George Clooney could do it.
5: Um, uh, I mean, you you know, can go like John Stewart could, you know, could. Yeah. Could, I mean, there are a lot of guys who, have, who own the heart and soul of a lot of Democrats who would actually do some homework. I mean, my God, how formidable would Donald Trump be if he actually did some homework? Yeah. And this has always been, and I've been, you can go back and look, this is not a Trump specific complaint. I've been making this complaint for five years. One of the problems that the Republican party has, and one of the things we have got to fix, and one of the ways you fix it is by making the Republican party a little less democratic. I know that's unpopular these days, but um, it is a private institution that is supposed to be for the good of the Republican party. And that means right. one of the things you should try to do is make sure that only Republicans run in it. But um, <laughs> you know, I've always, the hardest thing in politics by far is to have that charismatic connection with your followers where people will march to the gates of hell for you. Sarah Palin had it. Rick Perry in 2012 had it. Um, Herman Cain had it for a little while. And um, they all blew it because they wouldn't do their homework. Yeah. And that's the easiest thing to do in politics. Yeah, it takes time, but you get a couple smart interns, you get some binders, you sit down, and you do your patriotic duty to know what you're talking about, right. if you actually think that you got to save this country and that the presidency is worth having, then do your homework. And Donald Trump hasn't done any homework. We saw it last night in that Commander in Chief forum. He wings it. He makes it up. He literally doesn't know what he's talking about. And I think it's unpatriotic. And you know, and so I think that I think that if Donald Trump is elected, I think that becomes evident very quickly. Because um, you can't, you can only fake it for so long. But even so, I think it shows that it that his popularity has more to do with him than it has to do with a certain set of ideas and issues. Because for the exception of of invading countries solely to take their oil and um, building a wall and protectionism, there's really not much to Donald Trump's agenda that doesn't change um, with you know within 24 to 48 hours. Um, let me um, –
1: uh, I want to go to the – do you have time to stick with us for a few more minutes? Sure. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you about the alt-right, but real quick, I've got uh, only a minute left in this break. Yeah. Um, does – who wins, Hillary Clinton or, or Donald Trump in your opinion?
5: If I had to bet right now, I wouldn't want to bet, You know. but if I had to bet my mortgage, I, I think it's Hillary. I mean you just can't have one field office in Florida – and call yourself a serious contender for the presidency. I mean, ground game has to matter. The thing is, I think voter turnout is going to be very low because everyone is disgusted by this election. And when you have very low turnout, it makes polling very unreliable, and it, it rewards enthusiasm. And so you can see some unexpected results. Um, uh, the but, enthusiasm is with Trump. Yeah, well, uh, uh, that's right. So the enthusiasm was as Trump, but his coalition is so much smaller. Okay, his, his coalition is smaller than Romney's was.
1: Back in just a second uh, with Jonah Goldberg.
2: We are
5: one. The Glenn Beck Program.
2: Mercury.
3: To the Glenbeck Beck program,
1: I want to talk to Joel Goldberg more than life itself, and get the answers to um, the further questions that I had. We're going to have to move him tomorrow. I forgot we are doing our serials here at the bottom of this hour, four days a week. We are into episode number three, uh, and it's the unions um, and the violence and the money and the um, influence that they wield in America today. Part three. 1973, the Supreme Court ruled, among other things, that union violence is not covered under the 1934 Anti-Racketeering Act if it is part of furthering the union's objectives. That ruling apparently includes murder. The case before the court had involved a labor strike in which members of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers fired rifles at three utility company Transformers, drained the oil from another, and blew up a company substation. So how did the United States arrive at such a place where the right to collective bargaining outweighed other Americans' right to safety and property? Well, it's happened due to the strength and power and influence of the labor unions. To demonstrate the power that unions have over American politics just who visited the White House more frequently than anyone else during the Obama administration.
2: The top visitor on the list is Andy Stern, the president of the Service Employees International Union with 22 visits.
1: Multiple news reports including PolitiFact immediately disputed the claim calling it false. They meticulously listed the visitors who had shown up more often than the head of SEIU. Visitors like Lewis Sachs, who was a counselor to the Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner, Associate Attorney General Tom Pirelli, FCC Chairman Julius Janikowski, Spencer Overton, Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General and Health and Human Services Office of Health Reform Director Jeanne Lambrew. Surprisingly, Michelle, Malia, and Sasha Obama weren't named. Perhaps it would have been more precise to say the most frequent visitor other than the administration officials, Democratic senators, or family members. Information obtained since those reports also show that Anna Berger was also a more frequent visitor than Stern. So who is Anna Berger? Well, at the time, she was the number two person in charge at SEIU. Also the president of AFL-CIO Richard Trumka surpassed Stern during the latter part of the year. Trumpka admitted he visited the White House two or three times a week and had conversations every single day. No matter where you stand politically, that is an incredible amount of access to the highest office in the land for two giant unions with very socialist agendas.
6: We had worked together, and you had seen that I was willing to stand by your side even when it wasn't politically convenient. Your agenda has been my agenda in the United States Senate. Before debating health care, I talked to Andy Stern and SEIU members. Before immigration debates took place in Washington, I talked with Alcia Medina and SEIU members. Before the EFCA, I talked to SEIU. So we've worked together over these last few years, and I'm proud of what we've done. I'm just not satisfied because I know how much more we could accomplish as partners in an Obama administration. Just imagine. Just imagine what we could do together. Just imagine what we could do together. Imagine having a president whose life work was your work.
1: Americans no longer have to imagine what they would do together. They've witnessed the fruits of that labor That's apparently why, in the 2012 election, according to the New York Times, labor leaders said they expected unions to spend $400 million that year on national, state, and local elections, including $100 million by the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. But they say their ground troops, not money, is labor's signal contribution. Union influence doesn't stop with the volunteers on the ground or conversations at the White House. While the left loves to accuse the Koch brothers of buying elections, the fact is, in 2014, a Doonesbury cartoon irresponsibly claimed that the Koch brothers outspent the top unions combined, in the last election cycle, by a three-to-one margin. The ludicrous claim from a ludicrous source, but many leftists get their information from sources like Doonesbury, The Daily Show, or Stephen Colbert. But here are the facts. The Koch brothers have personally given $3.2 million to politicians and parties over the past 15 years. The Huffington Post estimated a total union spending on elections and lobbying at $1.7 billion. Doonesbury's Trudeau is using a nebulous Koch brothers network figure to raise their total to $490 million. That includes the money from Americans for Prosperity and other groups who bring in donations from thousands of contributors. Obviously, the Koch brothers didn't contribute anywhere near that amount personally, but even if they had, it still pales in comparison. Considering all election cycles since 1990, according to OpenSecrets.org, the number one political donor in American politics is SEIU. With total contributions of 234 million, 232 million of which went to Democrats. OK, in that case, the Koch brothers had to be second, right? No. Far LLC, which is a shell company owned by liberal billionaire Tom Steyer is number two at 114, followed closely by the NEA, the National Education Association Union. At $109 million, Progressive Unions and Tom Steyer make up seven of the top ten donors list. Coke Industries is number 30. Is it any wonder, then, that Democrats are so willing to do the bidding of their top donors, unions? Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi weighed in.
7: Do you
2: think it's right that Boeing has to close down that plant in South Carolina because it's non-union? Uh, yes.
3: I don't know if they could
2: close it down. I would hope that they would make it union. But this is uh, a corporate decision. Should government be getting involved in corporate decisions like that? They can get... You asked me what I thought, and I told you what I thought.
1: And continual, nonstop support from the Democratic presidents of the United States.
6: I, I travel a lot. I've been to countries that don't have unions, that prohibit unions. That's where you've got still child labor. That's where you have terrible exploitation and and, and workers are are constantly being injured and hurt and there are no protections and and that's true for everybody because there's no union movement. Even Brady's happy he's got a union. They had his back. (laughs) So you know if Brady needs a union, we definitely need unions. That is a
1: common tactic. Barack Obama used the argument, very few, if any, Americans advocate. No one is saying not to allow unions in this country. What so many Americans are saying is give the workers the right to decide and the right to work if they choose not to have a union. Also, using the example of someone who certainly doesn't support his policies to prove his point is disingenuous at best. But the symbiosis between American union leaders and the Democratic presidents and Congress and their policies is such that it inspired this outrageous claim from AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka.
4: There's not a single good reason for any worker,
3: especially any union member, to vote against Barack Obama. And there's only one really, really bad reason. To vote against Barack Obama. And that's because he's not white.
1: The leader of 12.5 million workers in the United States declared that you could not oppose Barack Obama on ideological grounds. He declared that apparently you must be in love with all of his progressive agendas and actions. He further declared that you are unequivocally a racist if you voted for someone else. It's hard to imagine staying in the AFL-CIO after a comment like that from its leader. But such are the bully tactics used by these leaders, as Andy Stern said when he was the head of SEIU.
3: We took names. We watched how they voted. We know where they live.
1: They took names. They watched how people voted. They know where you live. And then what? The answer to that question didn't matter to the president, Barack Obama, who desperately wanted their support.
6: But the question I do want SEIU to ask yourselves is not who's talking about your agenda, but who can change our politics in Washington so we can actually make your agenda a reality.
1: And he did make SEIU's agenda a reality. They pushed for lack of border enforcement and an end to deportation. Oh, and Obamacare. And they got all of it. In previous installments, we highlighted the willingness to engage in violence along with the Marxist leanings of so many union leaders. We've shown the influence they've wielded with Wilson and Roosevelt in their administration. In the Barack Obama administration, SEIU and the AFL-CIO had pulled all of the strings and had been hugely influential in the fundamental transformation of America. Next time... The influence of the unions. Is it likely to rise? And is there anything Americans can do to counteract it?
4: Glenn Beck.
1: You know, since I've done the uh, research for uh, the book Liars, and we're doing these serials every day, and I'm doing two new history programs. One of them premieres next week on The Blaze um, called um, His Story, uh, and then the other one premieres the week after called The Vault. As, I'm, as I've immersed myself in history, I, have, I really have come to this place to where it's insane how socialism and all of its trappings, like unions, how it's being presented as something new when it is all this turn-of-the-century bullcrap that at the time, at the turn of the century, no, it had never been tried before and so it was new and exciting and it was like okay this is going to work it doesn't work it's been tried over and over and over and over again and you're seeing these unions which started because of communism in the in the 1800s and because there is as i pointed out in this one of these episodes they have done good things child welfare etc cetera, etc cetera, um or child uh, work policies um it, th- it's, it's all to move you towards communism, and it all needs force to be able to do it. It needs an iron fist to do it.
4: Yeah, that's easy. The, the great thing about um, when the experiment of socialism, and communism doesn't work, <clears throat> the good thing is it, it it always ends in bloodshed and death. So right. I mean, there's not really huge consequences to it. No, it's just the bloodshed no, just, and, and the, then death. the death. Right. And then everything's fine. Whew.
0: Some of the death. <laughs> To be fair, some of the death doesn't always have blood shed. Yeah, some of the, sometimes some of just it, starvation. Well,
1: that's true. Millions have just so starved. It's not, or, even,
0: it's not even as bad as you're making it out to right. be. Right. Like when,
1: like when <laughs> right. the Soviet Union did that to the Ukraine, it was just 7 million starved to death
4: in 13 months. Right, and eleven million in the two uh, starvation periods. But
1: right. just, <laughs> just that, million. and, and there was no bloodshed. Everybody. So there you go, right. trying to make it right. sound worse I than I it is. Typical. Typical. I apologize. Yeah. I apologize. Typical, typical, libertarian conservative kind of guy.
4: <laughs> now this, I oh, like, by the way, that term. Who used it? Servitarian. Servitarian. Yeah, I like that. I like that too. Well, maybe they're. We're coming. Maybe we're onto something there.
1: Um, All bubbles eventually burst. Unlike Wall Street, there is not going to be a bailout for any of us. And when the next bubble pops, are you prepared? Let me talk to you about um, bubbles. We are. You what? Mark my words. Soon as the election is over, you're going to start hearing that America is in uh, a recession, and uh, because we're already in one. Nobody in the press is calling it a recession. This is normal. This is, uh, can, again, the Kondraki of Wave. We should be going into a recession. We should have been in this recession, I think, 24 months ago. Um, but we're not allowing those things to happen. Recession from at this point uh, is going to cost jobs again.
2: We have one. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
3: back. This is the Glenn Beck program.
1: We learned some amazing things from Hillary Clinton last night in the uh, presidential forum. My gosh. did you know that nobody was killed or hurt and we didn't lose anybody in Benghazi?
0: That's pretty impressive.
4: <laughs> uh, I know I... No. Wait, is Benghazi in Libya? Uh, Benghazi yeah in Libya. okay, huh that's really weird yeah yeah, we didn't lose anybody. So,
0: that's weird. I, and I guess we're not
4: going to parents, parents. I was thinking, be... mate. Well, maybe Benghazi is in Idaho. Yeah, no. Uh, for a while, because four did die there.
1: I I don't know exactly who whose mm-hmm. parents she was speaking to by the coffins when that plane flew in from Libya. Just greeters, I think. There were just greeters, greeters. Right. and empty the coffins. Program. Mercury. Hello, America. Uh, Matt Lauer is being hammered for uh, his performance uh, on the um, on the uh, debates last night. Or uh, what? What do they call these things? Uh, the the um,
0: commander in chief forum,
1: I believe, is yeah, the forum. way. Forum. It's not a debate. It was a forum where he sat down with Hillary Clinton. And they sat down with Donald Trump, and he asked them questions. And he's getting hammered because, again. I'm telling you, the press does not like Hillary Clinton. They're just more afraid of Donald Trump. But if she becomes president, they're going to kill her. Uh, they're going to just—they're take her apart every step of the way. I really think um, she's not going to get the free pass that Barack Obama did. Uh, And you saw a little bit of it, of Matt Lauer last night, and he's getting raked over the coals by some traditional media. Why did he keep asking follow-up after follow-up after follow-up of Hillary Clinton? Because they know she's lying and they don't like her. We'll play some of those clips coming up in just a second. It was amazing. Did you know that we didn't lose anybody in Libya? We didn't lose a single soul in Libya or Benghazi. That, huh. I don't know who were in those coffins on that plane that she greeted that was coming from Libya, uh, but maybe it's a different Libya. I'm I'm not really sure. And a gotcha on MSNBC: Gary Johnson said, "What's Aleppo?" Well, they were shocked that he didn't know it. Um, When they said, are you kidding me? Uh, Syria? He said, oh, okay, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that really a gotcha? Some people believe that's the end of his career. That's a question no one in the press even dared to ask somebody like Donald Trump
0: or Hillary Clinton or Hillary. Both be asked questions like that. Nobody asked that question
1: but the libertarian get asked that question and then, uh, I'm sorry, oh yes okay, I understand what you're saying, and then answers the question. We'll go to that audio as well. We begin with um, with the forum for the presidential candidates on NBC right now.
2: of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
3: I also want to
1: spend some time this hour talking about your lizard brain. Uh, uh, and and an example of it today on something I heard from uh, Barack Obama that is just going to make your head explode. Um, something else that he has said on a new apology tour over uh, in, in Asia. Let's start with um, NBC last night and Matt Lauer. Let's, let's hear the question and the answer from Hillary uh, on Benghazi in Libya.
2: Supporting intervention in Libya when Gaddafi was threatening to massacre his population. I put together a coalition that included NATO, included the Arab League, And we were able to save lives. We did not lose a single American in that action. And I think taking that action action. was the right decision. Not taking it and permitting there to be Mm. an ongoing civil war in Libya Mm. would have been as dangerous and threatening as what we are now seeing in Syria.
7: I'm going to jump in.
4: So, obviously, if you jump in and say, well, of course we lost four people in Libya, uh, she will say, not in that action. That was right. a separate issue. Action. Yes. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, that other action only happened because the country had been destabilized,
4: but those are separate. Yes, one led to the other, for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, what else do you have from, uh, from last night? Uh, we've got her. She's not. She's refusing to send troops uh, if she's elected. They are not going to get ground troops. In- we are not putting
2: ground troops into Iraq ever again, hmm? and we're not putting ground troops into Syria. We're going to defeat ISIS without committing American ground troops. So those are the kinds of decisions we have to make on a case-by-case basis.
4: You're just going to sprinkle magic fairy dust over it over the whole area. Whole, I mean the whole area, and this stuff only kills ISIS members, so there will be no collateral damage. We just finally break out the fairy dust we've been saving. When are we going to learn the lesson that
1: you don't say what you can and cannot use to your enemies? I don't know. Are we going to learn that? Well, the Democrats never will. I mean, this is the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, I don't know. We've got some nukes that are going bad. We might want to use them before they go bad. I don't I don't know. I don't know. We've got a lot of options on the table. You no,
4: know, we only have six weapons that are still even right. usable. Right. So I, so I, don't I don't gotta to use to them. Before the, I don't want them to go bad. It's kinda
1: like, you know, drink the milk in your refrigerator before right. it goes bad. Right. I don't know what we're gonna do with them.
4: And you know I mean, the you American just, people they don't have the stomach for this, so right. we probably won't do anything. <laughs> right.
1: That's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. You know what, uh, but between the press and the politicians and and our history, and everything else. We don't have the stomach, really, for anything. No. So no. we're just going to let it slide.
4: You know, a lot of people would think that would just make them say, well, let's have at it then. But I don't think so. I've got more <laughs> faith in the in human nature than Right, that. me too. So... Me too. Uh,
1: ISIS have proven themselves, if, if anything, <laughs>
4: honorable. Oh, yes. Yes.
7: So yes. we got that going for us.
4: Uh, some stuff from uh, Trump last night, he was talking about Putin again.
7: One of the things you've said about Vladimir Putin, you said, I will tell you in terms of leadership, he's getting an A. Our president is not doing so well. And when referring to a comment that Putin made about you, I think he called you a brilliant leader. You said it's always a great honor to be so nicely complimented by a man so highly respected within his country and beyond.
3: Well, he does have an 82% approval rating according to the different pollsters who by the way some of them are based right here. Look, he's also
7: look. a guy who annexed Crimea, invaded Ukraine, supports Assad in Syria, supports Iran, is trying to undermine our influence in key regions of the world, and according to our intelligence committee community Probably is the main suspect
3: for the hacking of the DNC computers. Well nobody basically. knows that for a fact, but do you want me to start naming some of the things that President Obama does But do you at want to be time?
7: complimented by oh that
3: gosh. former KGB officer? Well I think when he calls me brilliant, I'll take the compliment, okay? The okay. fact is, look, I mean this is, it's this not guy. gonna get him anywhere. I'm a negotiator. Wow. We're gonna take back our country. You look at what's happening to our country. You look at the depleted military. You look at the fact that we've There's lost our jobs. We're losing our jobs like we're a bunch of babies. We're gonna take back our country, Matt. The fact that he calls me brilliant or whatever he calls me but is gonna have zero impact.
7: But the fact that you say you
3: can get along with him. I you think, think I'll think be able the day, to get along with him. you think the day
7: that you become president of the United States, he's gonna change his mind on some of these key issues?
3: Possibly, it's possible. I don't know, Matt, it's possible. And it's not gonna have wow. any impact. If he says great things about me, I'm I'm going to say great things about him i've already said he is really very much of a leader i mean you can say oh isn't that a terrible thing he called i mean the man has very strong control over a country now it's a very different system and i don't happen to like the system But certainly in that system, he's been a leader far more than our president has been a leader. We have a divided country. We have a country where you have Hillary Clinton with her emails that nobody's ever seen, where she deletes 33,000 emails, and that's after getting a subpoena from Congress. If you do that in private business, you get thrown in jail. That is the
1: best end of an answer I've ever heard from him. That was the first time he sounded like a presidential candidate.
4: Well, yes, he, When he's not on teleprompter saying somebody else's words. I yeah, th- yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. but did you hear what he right. just said? He yeah. just turned it around to Hillary Clinton. I've never heard him do that.
4: I don't think I have either. Uh, that Roger Ailes.
1: I've never heard him do that. Right. Unbelievable. He took something completely unrelated and turned it against Hillary Clinton and her emails. Brilliant.
0: That's the way... It works. Well, it depends on what kind of candidate you are. Sometimes you just, you just say, you have to ask what the topic is. There's another way to go. And you're, you're saying that that's not <clears throat> the right thing to do?
4: No, Gary, you're right, Stu. I think, uh, I think Gary Johnson showed the way. Yeah, I think he's uh, got to good I guess path. this was just earlier this morning when he schooled everybody on how it's done, how to become president. About Aleppo.
7: About Aleppo. And what is Aleppo. <laughs> You're kidding. No. Aleppo is in Syria. It's the, uh, it's the epicenter of the refugee crisis. Okay, got it. Got it. Okay. Got it. Well, with regard to Syria.
4: Too late now. Uh, we, too late now. We don't even care what your answer is. Yeah. That, that was terrible. That's really a terrible bad. moment for Gary Johnson. He's a really... Uh, what
1: is Aleppo? Do we know what they were talking about before. If I came up to you you right yeah. either any of you no and we were talking you're not about thinking
4: about Syria
1: nothing about Syria and I said
0: well what about Aleppo right he, he has come out Is with a, a statement sandwich? to kind of explain this do you want to hear it real yeah. quick yeah this morning I began my day settling aside any uh, setting aside any doubt that I'm human mm-hmm. yes I understand the dynamics of the Syrian conflict I talk about them every day but when hit with what about Aleppo I immediately was thinking about an acronym not the Syrian conflict I blanked <laughs> It happens, and it will happen again during the course of this campaign.
4: It's interesting because I was thinking about an acronym too. Yeah, I, I thought. think this is. I think, I this, is out,
1: a, oh I think this is an absolute smear on this guy.
4: Yeah, I, 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 I mean, think he
1: knew is, what. It, it, did he not? He knew the Syrian. Yeah. He knows the Syrian thing. I
0: mean, we, I didn't hear the rest. We the rest.
7: Um,
4: I do Ten think seconds. that it's
7: a mess. I think that the it's only way we, we, that we deal with Syria uh, is. is to join hands uh, with Russia to diplomatically bring that at an end. And
4: sing. We join hands and we all... <laughs> well, that was, to be fair,
0: that was Trump's first answer, too, uh, was yeah. to let Russia... To
4: handle it well um, his real his thing is we shouldn't be in any of these situations to right. begin with right so he's not going to be
0: so he has an ideological position guy. on this whether he's well versed in this particular conflict it does not i would say wouldn't say it's apparent um but he has an ideological position on right. on conflicts in general good. that he's yeah. applying here um he, he goes on agree or disagree with what his position
1: was but he was able to speak intelligently on it yeah. I, I think it's unfair to
0: go. What's what about Aleppo? I, I see. I <laughs> seriously? What? Yes. Yeah, seriously, well, guess... you don't know what that is. And and so there's. How about Jibli
4: Yes, I think there's a. Seriously? <laughs> Did you bleed the Uh Oh. Well, let me tell you about Jibli <laughs> Uh well, It's said... a big issue, and it's an issue that uh, in the first hundred days, I will absolutely. That's one of my top priorities. Really, my acne? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's what jibberly is. That is just
0: how detail oriented (laughs) I am. (laughs) Well, there's there's a line here, right? There's a certain amount of uh, information a candidate's supposed to know about, right? So if he said, "What about Paris?" he should have probably known that Aleppo is. Does that cross the line for a candidate, not a normal person? Because everyone's going to say, "What the hell is Aleppo?" Obviously, Uh, it's you know, unless you're really if you've really you know gone deep into the syrian conflict i will say but he wants to be president trump wouldn't have known there's no way trump would have known hillary probably because she was
1: secretary we are one of the biggest aids to um uh to syria and iraq right now in iraq we are the largest aid organization mercury one largest aid organization in iraq that should tell you how much the world has abandoned Mm -hmm. um we are in Syria all the time. We're we we're, we're, we have people on the ground in Syria. You would say to me, I could be in a Mercury One meeting, and
0: somebody could just go, "What about Aleppo?" <laughs> what I? Well, fair the Syrian However, conflict. Oh, doing, okay, I got it. He's doing an interview the day after the Commander in Chief Forum, in which they talked about foreign policy. And again, yes. this goes deeper than yes, just you know. the okay. fact yes. that you got, you got it on there. Yes, I mean, I, 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 we should bring on foreign policy. I would like to ask Jason Buttrell, who's a, we, we're, we're one of your foreign policy experts here on staff. If out of nowhere someone just said, "Hey, what about Aleppo?" He, he would know. He'd know. He'd know. Now that does not mean he, uh, Johnson has to know everything about everything. However, how do you handle it? Johnson horribly handles it, as he always does, by saying, "Uh, what is that? I don't know what it is. What are you talking about? So he seems stumped. But more than that, there's no hand to him. If Hillary Clinton is stumped about Aleppo, the interviewer says, well, uh, of course, we're talking about the Syrian uh, city that is the conflict. They don't say, you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Was his answer. And it's serious? not about. The, are, you yeah, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious? How could you not, could you not know that? And he looks stumped and flustered. That moment aesthetically is horrible for a candidate. Horrible. And, you know, if, if it's two things, it's him handling the answer horribly by just not even a follow up question. You know, well, specifically, what do you mean? about Aleppo. At least you have a chance of getting some context to put it together, because that's what Trump does all the time, and every politician does it all the time. They apply context from the question to their answer, and they can get to a generalized answer, which is what he tried to give there. But, A, to do this to a candidate, you have to have the candidate not know what they're talking about, and not have the knowledge, which happened here. And B, the interviewer has to take a step like that to not give him a hand, to not help them out, to... To, to hang them out to dry. And that hasn't even been done to
4: Donald Trump. No, no it hasn't. Not Not even that shows you how the press guards the th- the two-party system. I will say, this, though, you also have to have a candidate who answers the question honestly, and he did. He didn't try yeah, to fake his way out of it. Right. Uh, he just said, right. I, I don't know. It's don't not know the triad. Is. I don't know what that is.
1: Well, triad, nuclear, very important. I think the nuclear, nuclear is the most important I mean, part of the nuclear triad. He bluffed and looked like an idiot. This guy at least came out and said, I, yeah. you know, yeah. he should have said, be more specific.
4: Yes, he should have. Can you be more specific with your question? Yeah, what about Aleppo? Yeah.
2: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
3: Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Mercury. The newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennback.com.
0: Was
4: Hillary Clinton wearing an earpiece last night? <laughs> oh my gosh. What? He was. That goes right back to the Gulf of Tonkin. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, WikiLeaks. And as- you know what that means as to who killed JFK. Uh, yep, Ted Cruz. Uh, could I just say, uh,
1: WikiLeaks, uh, obviously there's pictures out, mm-hmm. uh, and you see like a little ear pearl. Oh, oh boy. Do you, know? do you really? Yes, you do. Yeah. Yes, you do. Okay. Uh, and then come here for a second, I'll show it to you. And then from WikiLeaks, there's this from uh, from Uma to Hillary. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you take your earpiece, or do
0: I need to get it? Um, by the way, I'm hearing your voice, Glenn, currently. In an, an earpiece, earpiece because we do media, right? And which also Hillary Clinton does well, all the time. Yep, and I see it. I, she's got an earbud.
4: Right. She earbud. certainly is Where not
0: no, utilizing no. the house earpieces when she comes
4: and does interviews. Uh Well, uh, I don't yeah, think so. The allegation else is it. that somebody's telling her um, answers in her ear. By the uh, way, they did the by same the thing way, Bush. By the way, same. Uh-huh. Probably the same people. By the way. Uh, the,
0: now that I, now I think yes, about it, it probably, well, probably the exact same people did the exact same thing to Bush. He was I, getting all of his answers. I, I
1: want you too. to know how well planned these things are. You, you just gave a bunch of gobbledygook answers. Let me just finish what WikiLeaks just released. All right, From, from Uma Abedin to Hillary Clinton, um, Abedin, Uma, blah, blah, blah. Uh, did you take your earpiece or do I need to get it? And uh, this was sent Thursday... September twenty fourth, two (laughs) thousand nine, and wow,
4: wow! So they knew they've been planning. planning They knew seven years years ago this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. That's how long this has been planned. Yeah, it's a bombshell. Um, Well, I'll, I'll tell you something. The only prepared candidate is hillary clinton obviously i mean she's been preparing for seven years (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh,
4: well george bush did it before her so she'll learn it from george bush because the
1: same people exactly the same people uh are reporting this now
0: by the way i want all of the i mean this is how she answers the questions all the time she's got the earpiece so she knows what aleppo is because someone's going it's that city in syria it's that city in syria What was the rest of it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Back in just a second.
2: The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
3: Blend program.
1: So uh, Aleppo is now trending uh, because of Gary Johnson this morning being uh,
0: on MSNBC and answering a question honestly. Yeah. Give him credit hey. for that, but I mean, you're supposed yes. to know the answers. That's better. It's better to know the. Do you think this one's fair. Do you think this one's fair? It's honestly. borderline in some level, but he, he didn't answer it well
1: because he just looked like a dummy. Where he's like, "What is that?" He, I ain't
0: uh,
4: never heard of that word you just said.
0: Yeah, yeah problem, just, He answered it poorly. Problem one is aesthetics, right? Like right. he he answered it horribly, and the interviewer pushed him to make him look dumber. Yeah, the interviewer. And he didn't try to help at all. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's the it's the well, you know the centerpiece of, yeah. of the of a gigantic humanitarian crisis. I mean, I think there is a line there, and I think um, you know we, this happened twice to Donald Trump that I can remember. Um, in which he was given a question he really didn't know what it was at all, um, which was the nuclear triad
4: in the debate. And nobody in pushed which, him.
0: Nobody pushed him. In which Mar- Marco Rubio helped him. If you remember, Marco Rubio stepped in and said, in case the listeners don't understand, the nuclear yeah. triad is A, B, and C.
4: Should have pointed um, out, well, obviously Donald doesn't know what that is. That's but let the, the way me, it Let me explain it out, it, out, yes. what it is. Yeah.
0: And that was, I believe that was Hugh Hewitt. And Hugh Hewitt did it again on his show when he asked about a, an Iranian general. I don't remember... I think it was an Iranian general, if I'm remembering the story correctly. Um, and he didn't at all know what it was and kind of answered like Johnson there. But again, Hugh kind of reached out and gave him a helping hand to get to the point. Um, and uh, I, I but I wonder, my, my, I guess I'm wondering here is, number one, is it fair to do that? Because there's a line of, well, you're not going to know every Iranian general. Obviously, you can stump literally everyone on Earth with one of these questions. Mm-hmm. So there's some you can't have every piece of knowledge. Does it rise above that line of being fair? Because if you asked, hey, what happened in Baghdad, you better freaking know where Baghdad is. Yeah, um, But if you say what happened in Aleppo, the, is that the line? If they were talking
1: about Syria and they were talking about ISIS and then he said, what about Aleppo? Then I don't excuse it. But if, he, if it was just like, you know, okay, so we're talking about Russia and, and even Russia somewhat – um, but, you know, we're talking about Putin and his policies and everything else. And they say, so what about Aleppo? I don't think it's unreasonable to say, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. yeah. How I mean, that out connected? of the blue like that? It's okay. okay. I don't yeah. like the guy. And
0: I, I think it's a little unfair. Yeah, I think, fall it's, fall I think it's unfair. But it's trending today because, gotcha. Right. It's a, it's a really bad moment. And part of that is Johnson's fault. He looks goofy. He looks uninformed. Where Trump will confidently talk about what he doesn't know about. And that is, I, I, Trump, you read his books, he pretty much outlines exactly that. Uh, you know what, you need to look confident all the time, you need to power through those moments. He, I mean, that's, that's from pretty much Donald Trump's mouth, although he didn't always write those books. But, I mean, that was from his book.
4: Greg Gutfield even called uh, Johnson goofy when he had him on the show, and yeah. he interviewed him the other night. And... And so really what, well. did, what did Johnson do? He turned to the side and pretended to be picking his nose on camera. I mean, it, he is goofy. Yeah. He's just a guy who doesn't know how to run for president. And he, he's been the governor of a state. It, it's kind of surprising to me that he's this bad a candidate. And he's this bad a libertarian. I know. I know. I mean, You start to get into the policies and then you're really confused with him. As Weld his running mate, is even
0: less of a libertarian, but a much better candidate. I mean, he seems to be able to speak about these issues competently and you know, he doesn't he's not goofy. And the goofy aspect for Johnson is gonna hurt him a lot. I bet this hurts him a lot. And it's interesting because Trump has had several moments, and even Clinton has had moments, where she has... I mean, she did it yesterday. She said, hey, uh, we're not going to send any troops in. We played the audio. We're not going to send any more troops into uh, Iraq. We're not going to have them there anymore. Well, we've got them there now. There's thousands of troops there right now. What do you mean we're not going to do it anymore? I mean, they're they're there now. Um, So this is a, a, a problem that everyone has. I think it's fair game if it's an important issue that they should know about. Every candidate should be pretty well versed in the uh, humanitarian crisis, especially candidates like Trump, who have made immigration a major part of their platform. Um, And, you know, uh, damn straight, Trump will know what Aleppo is for the rest of the day. I promise you that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh. Oh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I bet yeah. you're telling me Roger Ailes is not like. By the way, here are the ten cities in that region. You better freaking know because yeah. they're going to come after Trump in the next of days is. with a question Somebody just like is. this. Yeah. Um, now, Clinton, obviously being Secretary of State, this is in her this is her turf, right? She should probably she really
4: shouldn't He's screw this probably up. Probably been to Aleppo, yeah, so that would not <laughs> surprise her. But how do we get here with these terrible? I mean, we talk about. We focus on Hillary and Trump and how bad they are. And then you bring in the libertarian and how bad he is. And it's just how in a country of 320 million? I would say for what it's worth, uh,
0: it's e- Evan McMullen knows where Aleppo is. I guarantee you. Oh, that. yeah. No, he does. I um, I mean, this is that's a CIA guy today, you know? that he's been there, too. I, I don't know that any of the other. I mean, Hillary would probably know she's secretary of state, though. I and mean, it's it was she, of course. Um, I, before today, there's no chance Donald Trump knew. I bet Aleppo you Jill was. Stein knows. I don't know, maybe. Maybe she does. I don't know. Maybe. She certainly wouldn't look like that uninformed in any any question about it. Um, But, I mean, McMullen is the one guy, because he was a former CIA guy, who would almost But I have to tell you, I mean, because of the work Mercury One does. But you're not involved in that on a granular level. I mean, like, you're you're, not. You're lazy. Yeah, you're. You're. (laughs) the public <laughs> face of a of a yeah. of a charity that is saving thousands of christians in that region yes however you're not like okay well this is the route to get to aleppo that's not your you're not google mapping for people no i but we sent guys to aleppo oh, well, yes we sent dan to aleppo he went to aleppo no he didn't go to aleppo didn't he oh they were in iraq weren't they yeah
1: they, yeah, they were in yeah they were in iraq not in syria
0: <laughs> Thank no they, they crossed the border no they didn't go to aleppo though. i thought they crossed the border at night i don't think they did they were close to the border but the point is here, I mean, you know, we just sent uh, Jason was in uh, Liberia. Yeah. We do a lot of this stuff where we go to these regions and cover things that nobody else is covering. Yeah. But you look at that, you're interested. You've always been a big picture guy. Um, and so you're not going to be uh, uh, involved in that. And I wouldn't expect necessarily, I wouldn't expect 99% of people to understand where Aleppo is. The issue is we're, we're not just looking for someone in the top 1%. We're looking for the best we have. We're looking for the person who's going to be the leader of the free oh, world yeah. here. We're not they looking at the top 1%. We're to looking at the top 1. 1. <laughs> 1. <Thank you>. Yes. <laughs> We're looking for the top. best 1. We're supposed to have uh, the best person, in theory, to run the country. And what we seem to have is the worst society can produce. And that is a problem that is, uh, problem. That is incredibly large. Uh, incredibly large. And I don't, there's, that does not seem to be an immediate solution have, to that issue. Who wants to be that? Yeah. Who wants to be that? You know, the one thing, I, one thing I learned just by endorsing Ted
1: Cruz, you can't even stand around it with your reputation. You can't. I've never seen, and I've seen George Soros go to work, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Never. You don't walk away with your your reputation. Why am I a drunk again? Why am I a, a, you know, a, a crazy man again? Because I inserted myself in politics. That's it. That's it. It was Donald Trump who, uh, who came out and said, uh, his business is failing, he's a drunk, he's crazy. Have you heard this guy? He's crazy. You know, you're going to check your medicine. And that's it. Because I inserted myself in politics, I'm not even the guy running let that be a lesson to you. You you ain't kidding. Don't insert yourself and, and that's what they do. This is a Charles Schumner, uh, a, uh, sorry, a Charles Sumner beat down, mm. where the parties beat you down and say, this is what you get if you want to insert yourself. Oh, you want a piece of this? Mm-hmm. You play ball with us. They make you pay. we kill you. Yeah, they, they make you pay. They make you pay. So who's going to insert themselves, except for those people who are either incredibly greedy and power-hungry Mm -hmm. who don't care, Anthony Weiner comes to mind, who just don't care Have some sort of psychosis. psychosis. Somebody who is just um, willing to do and say anything and play the game just for the power and the money and the prestige. Mm -hmm. Or those who are incredibly patriotic. And those people are going to be fewer and fewer for a couple of reasons. Um, One... I think the patriotic people in country now don't think you can make a difference up there. It's better to stay home and better to take care of your community, your family, or whatever. Why go to Washington? You're not going to change anything. So I think the patriotic people just don't believe you can change anything anymore. Yeah. Because that's what the parties have taught you. That's what the parties were teaching right here with Gary Johnson. We'll destroy you. You will not, you're going to look like an idiot by the time you get out. Um, and the second reason is, how many patriotic people are we going to have after, after these guys are done with us? Both parties. Less. Less patriotic people. Mm-hmm. Because what does America stand for? Does it stand as, are we great because we have jobs, jobs, jobs? Are we great because we have more money and we control things and, uh, and look how fabulous we are and we can beat our chest? Is that what makes America great? Are we, are we great um, with, with Hillary, who is going to continue more and more down the line of, of, uh, of Barack Obama? Listen to what Barack Obama said in Laos yesterday.
6: It's not because that's necessary for development. It's usually because we're being lazy and we're not being as creative as we could be about how to do it in a smarter sustainable way.
1: Okay, so America... We're, we're lazy. We're lazy. We're lazy. He's not saying this to Americans. He's saying this to people in Laos. La-
4: Laotians. And he said it not
6: once, but twice. Um, but because we're such a big country, we haven't always had to know about other parts of the world. Huh. You know, uh, if you are in Laos, you need to know about uh, Thailand and China and Cambodia because you're a small country and they're right next door, and you need to know who they are. Uh, if you are... Why? Uh, you know, if you're in the United States, sometimes you can feel lazy and think, you know, you. we're so big. We don't have to really know anything. Okay, so let me let,
4: ask you a question. What he's actually saying there, too, is that we're too conceited. That's right. Yeah. We, we don't care about anybody else. We don't have empathy for anybody else. Right. We are... But they great that we don't need to worry about. They do,
1: and the reason why they do is because they live on top of each other.
4: May I ask,
1: do you think the people in uh, Missouri know what's happening in Kansas or Illinois? You mean? Do you think think the people who live in Dallas generally know a little bit about uh, Oklahoma or what's happening or Louisiana? Louisiana? Yeah, we generally do. Yes. It, the people in Maine, do they know about what's happening in New Hampshire? But Even not, Rhode Island? But not necessarily New Mexico. Right, but not following, but listening to Gary Johnson, like, who the hell is that guy? Well, he was the governor. What, are you lazy up there? Doesn't He's assigning us that we are lazy. But you go over and ask a Laotian, can you tell me about, what do you know about Chicago? Right. What what do you know no about What do you know no, about I, St. Louis? What do you know they 'll know the most powerful country on the earth, but i 'll bet you a lot of it is wrong that's and 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 they 're not lazy because they live right next door because they he said it. You have to know we don 't have to know about Laos that doesn 't make us lazy. That makes us just like them. they don 't need
4: to know anything. About Wisconsin, except that's how he—that's how he approaches. I know all of these issues with America. America is He's the only president I have ever seen or heard of or read about who's ever treated America like this. You guys are crazy. He's the only one. He's the only one with the non-American attitude. He just doesn't. He—he he doesn't have that. He just doesn't have that. That patriotism, that love of country. How could he? Honestly. Seriously, with all the people he was brought up by.
1: This is not controversial. This is not controversial to say. What is controversial to say is he was raised the way he was raised in different parts of the world. He was born here in America, raised in different parts of the world, in different cultures, Mm -hmm. far off lands in Asia, by a mom who was part of the Communist Party, a grandfather who had communist leadings, Frank Marshall Davis, a father who was a communist. All of them didn't like America, as we understand it. And when he did move to America, he moved to Hawaii, which is a vastly different culture than this. And yet, we expect him to
0: understand the white picket fences of New England.
7: What the hell? I don't
0: know. He was. I mean, first of all, he was born in Hawaii. Second of all, Dinesh D'Souza. I mean, you could list off David Horowitz. So you, we could list off all sorts of people. Was, that. was Dinesh D'Souza influenced
1: by his grandfather? Yes, he was. And what did his grandfather and his parents say? America is the greatest. Why I brought up Horowitz, right. Who was who had communist parents? He was honest in his search. He believed in something until he realized, wait a minute, the facts prove it to be wrong. Right. You can't say that he is honest. Obama's never had that He's, on- he's honest? Mm-hmm. I can't. I, 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 you, you can't make it in America? You're the frickin' president of the United States.
3: back. Mercury.
2: Program.
1: You know, it, it's amazing to me. I just heard a new Hillary ad, and it's uh, it's devastating to Donald Trump. And uh, Pat said something like, "Look how you know effective that will be." And I said, um, "No, really, because they just keep canceling themselves out." I just also watched a <laughs> clip of Hillary Clinton last night, where a vet said, "I would have gone to prison." Yeah, we got to play that. Had time. I done what you've just done. And she gives some gobbledygook answer. Every time.
4: Same one as, yes. as every that,
1: time. That doesn't answer the question at all. And so no matter, you look at that and go, oh, geez, you can't vote for her. You know, listen to something and you're like, oh, I can't vote for him. But I can't vote for her. But I can't vote for him. I mean, it's just back and forth. They just keep canceling each other out. I don't know how anyone slips by the
2: other. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.